You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health, the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. Me this week, and I'm going to chat with you guys today about a condition called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or more commonly known as SIBO. I'm getting a lot of questions about this lately and have seen a lot of patients coming in with this in the past year. It's, it's been a common, you know, diagnosis or things that naturopathic doctors have been treating for the past probably five or six years. But I've seen a, a major increase in this diagnosis just in the past year. And I'm going to talk about why I think that is. And so let me start with explaining what it is. So this condition is when a specific type or types of bacteria will overgrow in the small intestine. And typically the types that tend to overgrow that cause SIBO are bacteria that produce high amounts of either hydrogen gas or methane gas. And so one of the hallmark symptoms of someone who's suffering from SIBO is crazy bloating. Like I'm talking bloating where you look six months pregnant, typically after you eat a meal or can just be bloating all the time. And so the, this bloating is there because there is an overproduction of, again, either hydrogen and or methane gas, which typically does not get produced. So, you know, we have a very delicate balance of flora or probiotics or good guy bacteria that live in our digestive tract that help us digest our food, help keep the lining of the digestive tract healthy. You know, we kind of have this beautiful commensal relationship with these bugs that live in our gut. But if things get a little bit out of balance, and I'm going to talk a lot about this balance thing, it can cause some of the bacteria that we don't want there to overgrow into a place where it might be producing, again, this excess gas. So another term for this, and this term was used commonly before the SIBO term became out, came out, is dysbiosis, which means there's an overgrowth of some sort of bacteria that should be there, and typically not enough of a growth of the good guy bacteria. So the main good guy bacteria that we look for in the intestine are typically lactobacillus and bifidobacter species. Those are the two really big predominant species. And when those guys are in healthy level, typically it's harder for some of these kind of not so great bugs to overgrow. But the, the biggest concept that I wanted to touch on today is in order to keep your gut flora healthy and happy and so that we don't have bad bacteria overgrowing and producing all kinds of crazy gases, is to make sure that we keep the pH of your digestive tract at the proper pH. So the majority of the body, right? So the intestine, the bloodstream, all, all of the body, with the exception of the stomach, is supposed to have a pH of about 7.4. And so 7, the pH scale, is what we call neutral. Anything under 7, we would call slightly acidic. And anything over 7, we would call alkaline. So 7.4 is a slightly alkaline pH. It's close to neutral, but it's slightly alkaline. 
Our stomach, on the other hand, has a pH around two, and that's because of the hydrochloric acid that is there. So our stomach is very acidic, and we want our stomach to be acidic. When the body produces hydrochloric acid into the stomach, it actually kicks out something called bicarb, which is H2CO3, and that bicarb is actually what contributes to the rest of the body having a slightly more alkaline pH. So with any sort of dysbiosis or gut thing, the first thing we want to make sure of is we want to make sure that the stomach pH is at its proper pH. We want to make sure that the stomach has an acidic pH, so in a pH of two, which that means it's producing plenty of hydrochloric acid. And we want this for several reasons. One, the reason that I just mentioned, when the stomach is, you know, is filled with hydrochloric acid, that means that the body is also kicking out this bicarb, which is allowing for the rest of the body to stay nice and alkaline. The second reason is that when the body has that really acidic stomach, that means the stomach can properly digest proteins and break them down into their molecular components so that when that food gets into the small intestine, it can easily get absorbed and it's not going to irritate the lining of the small intestine, nor is it going to feed any bugs that we don't want fed. So again, when the stomach is working properly and there's plenty of hydrochloric acid there, we'll get small, easily absorbable molecules of food or, you know, of nutrients that the body can absorb. And that, you know, tends to keep the pH happy and it doesn't disrupt the flora there. Now, if your stomach pH goes up to, let's say, four, which is still acidic, but it's not acidic enough, we're going to start to have slight changes in the pH of the small intestine. So that's going to, and again, if the pH changes, think of pH like the weather, right? So if you're someone that loves, you know, California weather, it would be very hard for you to transport and go live in Syracuse, New York, where it's really cold all the time. You might not thrive there, right? If you're someone who really does well in warm weather. So there are certain bacteria that thrive at that, you know, 7.4 pH. So that's like 70 degree weather. They feel awesome. If we change the pH, if we make it slightly more acidic, so towards neutral, let's say the pH goes down to even just 7.3, we now have changed the weather. We've changed the environment. So now certain bugs that couldn't thrive before might be able to thrive. And some of that, some of those good guy bugs might not be able to, they might not tolerate that weather as well. So again, any slight change in the pH is going to change the flora that's existing in the small intestine. Now, the other thing that's going to occur if your stomach pH goes up so meaning it doesn't have as much hydrochloric acid, is that your food's not going to get properly broken down in the stomach. So then when it reaches the small intestine, we're going to have larger molecules of food, which one, don't get absorbed as well. And two, they will start to provide food for some of those bad bacteria. So now we've got a pH change, which you know allows some of the bad bacteria to overgrow, the good bacteria to kind of go down in their, in their production. And we're now feeding that bad bacteria. And when we start to feed the bad bacteria, that is when it starts to produce gas. And again, there are different types of bacteria. I'm not going to go into all the details, but some of them produce hydrogen and some of them produce methane. Sometimes people can have an overgrowth of both of those. And again, that's going to make you feel super uncomfortable. So, so that's kind of how SIBO gets set up. Is if the, if the stomach is not properly at the right pH, if it's not properly digesting, we're going to start to create pH changes in the digestive tract and we're going to not be absorbing or not be breaking down our food properly. So, you know, you guys have listened to some of my other episodes where I talk about stress and how stress affects the digestive tract. Stress is the number one cause for SIBO. And if you're under chronic stress of any kind, whether that's external stress, whether that's exercise stress, and I'm going to touch on this more, or whether that is internal stress, like another infection, like say Lyme disease or an Epstein-Barr infection, 
that will change the pH in your intestine via it's going to affect your stomach. So this is how you know, pH changes occur, particularly from stress, is if we get really stressed out, not a lot of blood flow goes to that, to that stomach or to the pancreas. So we don't get production of hydrochloric acid or digestive enzymes when we're under stress because all our blood flows in our arms and our legs so that we can run or fight. So when we're stressed, and particularly when we are chronically stressed, digestion goes down. Hydrochloric acid production goes down, which again is going to set us up for the kind of the perfect storm for developing this overgrowth of a bad bacteria. So chronic stress will do this, you know, poor digestion. Sometimes there could be situations where someone, you know, gets a really bad bout of food poisoning and maybe you have severe vomiting. Certain other bacterial overgrowth, or let's say that you travel somewhere and you get E. coli and you have diarrhea for three months after that. Sometimes those types of infectious-based things can affect the pH and can throw the system out of whack. And sometimes that will trigger small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. But most of the cases that I see, it's usually prolonged stress exposure, sometimes some sort of underlying infection that kind of changed the pH a bit. So those are sometimes the contributing factors. I have seen a lot of cases too in women that and men that aren't necessarily super stressed, but they are putting a lot of stress on their body. And sometimes this comes from over-exercising and under-eating. This is a big one that I see that women are working out, you know, one to two hours a day and they're trying to lose weight and trying to help their bloating by working out a lot and maybe not eating as much. However, this tends to, again, make the pH such that bad bacteria continues to overgrow and the good bacteria can't get in. So just like I talk about in a lot of the episodes, you know, learning to spend more time in the parasympathetic state is the number one most important thing when we're trying to, you know, work with SIBO condition. Now, I'm going to talk about some other treatment options if, and how, how we test for it first so you can kind of a little more understanding of what to do if you have this condition. So the way that we test for SIBO is there's a breath test where you drink a solution called lactulose, which is a special type of sugar that feeds the bad bacteria. So you drink this and then you blow in a tube every 15 minutes and they measure the amounts of gas as that lactulose solution goes through the small intestine. So when we get the lab result, we see a report of, okay, this much hydrogen gas was reported at, you know, 15 minutes in, at 30 minutes in, at 45 minutes in. So we can see a map of when the hydrogen gas is rising or not, or when the methane gas is rising or not. So typically with that test, we can definitively say, yes, you definitely have, you know, too much methane in your system or too much hydrogen or too much of both. And if that is the case, there is an antibiotic that is very, very specific for killing those specific types of bacteria. It typically works best for the hydrogen producing bacteria. I don't see it work that well for the methane. So if you're someone that has a methane producing bacterial overgrowth, the zyfaxin, which is the name of the antibiotic, probably is not going to work very well. It typically works very, very well for the hydrogen producing SIBO state. So a course of that would be really, really helpful to kind of remove the bad guy bugs. However, this is really important. You have to remember or you have to you have to figure out what caused you to get into this state in the first place. Because oftentimes what I see with SIBO is people will come in and they'll say, yeah, I did a round of Zyvax and I felt better for maybe a couple of weeks. And then it all came back. All the symptoms are back. This is because what you probably did to get to that state, you didn't change that. And so the antibiotic, all that's going to do is going to remove the bad guy bugs. It doesn't change the pH. It doesn't remove the stress that you're dealing with. It doesn't change the fact that your stomach is probably not digesting things very well. So. 
I find that the best approach to treating SIBO is to make sure we're working on the nervous system, to make sure we're working on the digestive system as it relates to how much hydrochloric acid and enzymes are in the stomach. So I often will recommend taking a digestive enzyme throughout the time period that you're taking the Zyfaxin. There are also herbal remedies that you can do in place of the Zyfaxin, which I'll talk about in a minute. And then working to calm your nervous system down or figure out what's got your system so stressed out. Again, that might be over-exercising. That might be another infection. That might be whatever's going on in your life. It might be emotional stress. It could be any or all of the above. But I, again, I find that the biggest issue that people who have been diagnosed with SIBO is they can't seem to get it better. They'll do round after round of antibiotic, but it just keeps coming back because they haven't addressed what we call the terrain. So we haven't addressed what was causing the pH to be out of whack. We haven't addressed the fact that the weather or the pH is in a state where this bad bacteria keeps overgrowing. So if you do have the methane producing hydrogen in an overgrowth state, typically an herbal protocol will work better for you. The herbal protocol can also work really well for the hydrogen or if you have a mixed combination. Or I've sometimes seen people where they do a round of Zyfaxin and then they do maybe a month on the herbal protocol while we are also addressing the other things I just spoke about. Hydrochloric acid in the stomach, reducing stress. So those things have to be taken into account with any treatment that you're doing, whether it's the herbal treatment or the Zyfaxin. So yeah, so I think that's all I wanted to cover today. If you guys have questions or you've been diagnosed with SIBO and you kind of don't know what to do or you think you might have SIBO, so maybe I'll touch on this a little bit more. Things to kind of clue you in, you know, if you're dealing with really, really, really chronic bloating. And when I say bloating, I mean you eat a meal and you look down and you look pregnant. Or, and typically the bloating will be up in the upper part of the abdomen, so where the small intestine is. So kind of right where your stomach is or right under your breastbone, that's where the bloating typically is. It can produce down, it could be in the lower abdomen as well, but most people with SIBO will complain that they're, they have this floating in the upper part of their abdomen. And it can be really painful, which is, you know, what drives most people to go to the doctor. Go, wow, I'm having severe painful bloating. So if you're having that and you're kind of struggling with what to do, might be a good idea to get a hydrogen breath test or a methane breath test or both so you could see what's going on. And I highly encourage you to reach out to a practitioner who's well-versed in SIBO. There are some GI docs that are well-versed in it and know the protocol, but it can be helpful to work with a functional medicine doc or a naturopath who can kind of help you with the other aspects that I discussed. You know, the making sure, again, the hydrochloric acid, the digestive enzymes. And if you do have the methane-producing one, I... You could definitely do a round of Zyfaxin, but it, it, in my experience, it typically doesn't do the job. So if you have that, you probably want to reach out to someone who is familiar with the herbal protocol. And there, there are several different herbal protocols. Typically, it involves doing a round of antibiotic-like herbs that will kill off the good guy bacteria. And typically, with the herbal protocol, we will then reintroduce some good guy bacteria. And again, we're doing this while taking digestive enzymes, while working on the stress, and while working on that hydrochloric acid production so we can kind of reset the pH in the digestive tract. So yeah, any questions that you guys have, you can DM me on Instagram. You can message us, info at drerinkinney.com. Love to hear from you guys. Please, you know, if this topic, if you loved it, let us know. If you have other questions related to this topic, please let us know. Again, thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you next week. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. Be sure to follow the show and leave a rating and a review. It supports me so much. Plus, I always love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week.